Twin Peaks is over 30 years old. There's so much more to learn about Twin Peaks. I, we recommend you pick up our book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, to find out even more about the show that you love. We have tons of great stuff. We have over 100 interviews. We have commentary from the community. We have us. We have some great photos that have never been seen by most folks. I think if you're a diehard Twin Peaks fan, you're going to absolutely love this book and you will definitely learn something new. So pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska, and beside me as always, Ben Durant. Ben, it feels like it's been forever. <laughs> you say that every week. I know. It's <laughs> well, been seven days. It's been seven days. I'm so excited. We got John Thorne on this episode. Yes, very exciting. He just, he, he just released his book on Amazon, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic Pathways to Twin Peaks. Hi, John. Hey, you guys. How you doing? Good. So I wanted to start off with first, we, we, we talked maybe a few weeks ago. It was probably through email. And I knew you were getting close. But this past week, it just like suddenly dropped. It was like there was no like, it's coming out June or something like that. It's just all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I think Twitter and Facebook, everybody's like, John's book's out. And it's like, how did that happen that it just like, it was just like instant. There was no, there was no... Uh, yeah. You, yes, I, uh, I was almost as surprised as you were. Um, I, you know, I've been working on it and uh, just plugging away at it. Um, the last few weeks were, were more fine-tuning and, you know, trying to catch any typos I could. I'm sure there's some in there. But um, I, you know, uh, I, I basically pushed the button and I uh, sent it off to get the, what they, – they sent me a proof copy, which I've got in front of me here, and I mm. got the proof, I think, on – Thursday, and uh, looked at it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, kind of fearfully looked at it, because I was afraid there was going to be some looming giant error in it, but um, I, I looked at it, and I felt pretty confident with it, and so Monday morning, uh, I basically pushed the publish my book button on CreateSpace, which is where I made this book, hmm. and I'm thinking that it was not something that was going to happen very quickly, and I think it was a matter literally of minutes before it was on the Amazon page. <laughs> wow. And there it was. Right? Wow. And I just sort of, my jaw dropped, and I, I thought, well, okay, it's out there. And then I quickly, <laughs> quickly, I'm like, I better tell people it's out there. So I uh, put it up on Facebook, and I put a little thing up on, on my blog, which I rarely go to, but mm. uh, figured I'd better put something there and uh, and just let people know, yeah, it, 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 it came out, you know, pretty fast. Once I went ahead and said, go ahead. And if you didn't think it was going to go ahead, would, would you have planned for it to be like, okay, come out in May? Or, or do you, were you still hoping relatively soon it would? Well, getting... you know, I, I think I accelerated a little bit. Um, I, you know, I talked to the folks who were helping me put this together at CreateSpace, and um, I, I was under the impression that it was going to be something like a six-week turnaround. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to be going to the Great Southern uh, event in Richmond, then you know, I better get this thing, you know, in, you know, out of my hands and mm. into their hands by the early April. So it'll be done by the end of May. And uh, that was really my thinking. Now, I think I 
probably misunderstood a little bit. I think it won't really make it out into various catalogs for independent bookstores to order for another four to six weeks. Hmm. I think that's probably what they were they were telling me. And they were probably also, you know, trying to make sure, you know, in case anything went wrong, yeah. it may take a little longer. So that was that was my kind of my goal was now let's see if I can get it done by the end of May and have it available. And uh, just I just didn't realize honestly I was very much taken by surprise too that it, it happened that fast. I just sort of pushed the button. In fact, you uh, you told me you, you got yours yesterday, Wednesday, yes. right? You yes. Got your, yes. Yeah. I mean, to me, I was I was telling my wife the other day. I, I said, you know, that book existed solely on the computer here at home on Monday morning, <laughs> and now somebody's got one in their hands on Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? So that, yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, and for me, it was an instant purchase. It's like I heard about it, and it's like I'm getting this today, and and I wanted to have it. I wanted to have it before I got to speak to you. So it's like, okay, I got to do one day shipping. That's I got to awesome. get it as soon as possible. And yeah, it's so exciting. So I mean, there's people out there who don't really know what this book is. I mean, I think there's two extremes. There's one extreme that this is brand new stuff that John Thorne has come up with, and then there's the other extreme where every issue, 75 issues of Wrapped in Plastic magazine, is in this book, tell people what right, tell, right. tell people what this book is exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I, you know, that's one of the, the things I'm most concerned about is there might be a misconception about what what it is. Basically, what what I've done is I take in what I think is the the more important and pertinent information from the magazine that had to do with Twin Peaks, and I try to compile it into a book that has some sort of logical flow to it. And um, basically, I took um, – well, let me tell you what it's not real quick. Yeah. And then I'll get back. Sure. It is not a reprint of the magazine. Mm-hmm. So if anyone out there thinks they're getting a glossy uh, magazine-sized book uh, with pictures, that's, that's not what this is. This is all text. Mm. Uh, and it is you know, more of a trade paperback-sized book. Um, and there are reasons for why it is that way and why it's not the magazine. We can talk about that if you want. But um, I had a lot of material on Twin Peaks that was scattered throughout those magazines, a lot of interview material, a lot of episode guide material, and some essays. And I thought it would be nice to try to pull it all together and have it in one place so that if you had the magazines already and you kind of wanted to, to have a, sort of a quicker way of getting to to some of that, uh, then then the book is there for you for that. Mm. If you don't have the magazines and you know you don't want to try to track them all down, many of which are out of print, right? Then at least what you've got here in this book is um, you know really all the the, the the Twin Peaks, you know the the deep Twin Peaks stuff, uh, or at least a, a great great deal of it. Now there's there's a lot of Twin Peaks stuff that's still in the magazine. Uh, that, uh, for various reasons, didn't belong in this book, or, you know, just, I thought, better to keep the magazine the magazine, too. I'm very proud of that work that Craig and I did, and Mm. um, I I want it to sort of have its own life as well. So um, so there's a lot of of things there. Um, So what I did, essentially, is um, I I thought, let's, let's sort of chronologically you know, follow Twin Peaks uh, as it aired, so put an episode guide in there, Mm. and then comment on each episode and take any material that would fit with that episode from either interviews or 
some of the script analysis that we did uh, and, and uh, put it, you know, with that episode. So you've got an episode guide with lots of little tidbits that follow it. Uh, that's, that's the bulk of the book. Um, the last third of the book is Firewalk With Me. Mm. So there's essays there. There's a, there's, a, there's a chapter that's essentially a brief oral history of, of the film from uh, as many of the principals as we could interview, uh, and, and some other goodies scattered here and there. Yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah. And what I would say is that in some ways you've got a little bit of of uh, Brad Duke's reflection kind of book. Where I I would say the whole book has a little bit of uh, oral history, where where you actually have the actors that were in you know that you had interviewed throughout the seventy five issues, and you have them you know in that episode. So if you're talking about episode three, you have all these different actors talking about that episode, which I think is, is brilliant and I love it and I love having that all in one place. I mean, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, you know, and in fact, that was one of the more fun parts of putting this book together. Um, you know, uh, going through, calling through the interviews over the years, there's basically uh, 15 years worth of interviews, and pulling out, you know, I, I had all the magazines open and I had, you know, highlighting you know, sections of interviews and saying, this is for episode, you know, three, this is for episode 22, you know. Mm. And and then once I had all that separated out, then trying to um, fit the pieces together um, as best I could so that there was somewhat of a flow. So mm. one comment might complement another comment. I didn't always work. You know, some of them are just sort of random comments that fit yeah. that episode and you stick them in there. But, but while you're doing that, is there any way to arrange them in a way that, you know, so-and-so says something about the writing of this episode and then an actor says, I really like the script in this episode and you put those together. So, so there's, a, you know, a, a little bit of a, a fluidity to it. Totally. You know, and what's special about this book is you have uh, interviews with actors that have passed away since. I mean, to me, the big one, of course, is Frank Silva, who played Bob. I mean, that's such a crucial interview that I, I don't think there was a lot of interviews done with him, too. So to have that in the book, I think that's that's priceless. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I, I knew that we had a fairly extensive interview with Frank Silva way back in Rapid Plastic number 8 which is out of print and probably pretty tough to find. I guess they probably pop up on eBay from time to time. But I thought, you know, he had so many interesting things to say. And I think people would really like to, to be able to read that and, and hear about his experiences on and off the set. So, yeah, one of the appendices, I think it's Appendix 2, is the entire interview. Mm. Pretty much. I mean, not 95% of the interview we talked to him about a few uh, bits and pieces that were, you know, inconsequential. And so I took some of that out to, to, to give it a, a little tighter flow. But really 95% of that interview that was in Raft and Plastic 8 uh, is in the book. And, um, you know, sadly, Frank Silva passed away shortly mm -hmm. after we talked to him. I mean, I've been a year and a half, maybe. He did not give many interviews. Mm -hmm. So... Um, this is, you know, one of the one of the things that I thought was a nice feature, and, and certainly um, he was a great guy, and it, it's nice to be able to let his words continue to to reach people. Yeah, and I, what I was was thought fascinating with Frank was that he was, I believe, the set designer. 
for for Twin Peaks is starting off that way. So he has this perspective of not only being in front of the camera but behind the camera, that's which cool. I think that's something yeah. unique. Exactly. That was what was so nice and why the interview, the full interview, I think, was uh, valuable because you could ask him about working with David Lynch as someone who you know was was helping design the sets or find the props or you know trying to figure out some problem that Lynch, you know, or, you know, something that Lynch wanted to try to get accomplished, and and Frank Silva was the person who had to kind of work on that. And then, you know, along the line, there he is doing that that fun stuff. It sounds fun. And then suddenly David Lynch says, now you can put you in front of the camera, Um, (laughs) and and you're going to be this guy. And so you've got, you know, he talked about that, too, the initial parts of it and how Mm. scary he was and how it suddenly happened and how he didn't think anything would come of it. And then he, you know, he's catapulted into this iconic figure, uh, and then he talks about that too, about you know, not only you know playing that character, but how hard it was sometimes for him to even watch himself play mm. that character. He's got a lot of interesting things to say. So, yeah, yeah. Another thing in the book is that you you have a that you have a section on deleted scenes. So you know you'll 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 have the episode guide and you'll have the actors' perspective, and then you get you kind of go into the deleted scenes, which I love. And I think you called it in the in the, in the magazine "Unseen Twin Peaks," which I love that term. Can you talk about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually, Ben, you um, you mentioned that to me in one of our previous interviews before this book existed. You, you commented to me on saying I really like that part of the magazine, mm. and that actually stuck with me, and I, uh, the early, early, early stages, I hadn't thought about, well, you know, putting that in, we have an episode guide already with the commentary, you know, maybe that's enough, and then I thought, well, the Unseen Twin Peaks is sort of a, an alternative episode guide, mm. and um, there, are, there are some pretty interesting things uh, in that, and I thought, well, why not combine them? And so, um, I, and I will say, I only took... I took a great deal of the Unseen Twin Peaks, but there's still quite a bit that I did not take. It's in the magazine. Um, I What I called it is notable deleted scenes. Uh. What I tried to pull was, was, because there were a lot of little things that they deleted, a scene here or a scene there, and it just probably was cut for time or maybe just, you know, just wasn't an important scene. And some of those I didn't include in the book. What I tried to include were the scenes that I thought really kind of gave you an insight into how they were crafting the show. You know, they, they, they wrote a scene for so-and-so here, and then they either deleted it or, or never filmed it, hmm. or, or they changed it in some way to what we see. And so that gives you a little bit of, um, uh, you know, insight into some of the creative process. Like, well, why did they change that scene, or why did they delete it? Did they decide, we're just going to abandon that plot line or did they think, well, if we do that, it might affect another plot line in a, in a, in a certain way. Right. So I thought those scenes um, uh, were worth talking about because not only are they, you know, we all love to see deleted scenes on, on DVDs and Blu-rays because we get to get more of, mm. of, of material. But, I, you know, it was important for me to talk about why maybe these scenes were scripted and then deleted or scripted and then changed because... Um, clearly the show was sometimes a balancing act and or being done very quickly as they were under the pressure of you know, network uh, restrictions and, and schedules. So that's, that's 
what that part of the book is about. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I really think we already said that Brian hasn't seen the ending. He's at episode oh, 25. So close. I know, we're so close. But, I mean, you look at things like where, whenever David Lynch got involved with these episodes, yeah. especially when you look at the last episode, he would he would just almost throw out the script and kind of go his own way. And, I mean, and to be able to have that in, in your book, to be able to say, oh, okay, what what's different from what was written <laughs> when mm. David Lynch comes in and, and, and takes over? Yeah, and you know what's really interesting, and I didn't really notice it until I was compiling this and fitting it all together, because don't forget, all these different pieces were spread out over years worth of magazines, and even though we were producing it and, and putting it out, it wasn't until I kind of put it in one place that I started to see some patterns that I hadn't noticed before. And they're not explicit in the book, but those last four episodes, um, you if you look at the deleted scenes, and you look, and I won't spoil anything, because yeah. I know you guys are still <laughs> looking at it, but um, uh, you, know, you start to see some strange things happening, things that get introduced into the show that seem very consequential, and yet mm. they were never scripted. Mm. And so, you know, it's like, well, what was going on here? Were they thinking, yeah, we're going to do a third season, or were they thinking... You know what? What I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, I don't have necessarily the answer to that. Uh, there's some interesting quotes from uh, I think it is it Ted Raimi who played Rusty Tomaski. Yes, yeah, the, uh, the heavy metal youth. Um, he talks about being on the set. Basically, he's an outsider, right? He's not mm. been part of the show. He comes in for an episode or two, and he has an interesting comment. He said he says something about how they were just kind of like. We're free to do whatever we want. We're probably going to get canceled. And so I thought that was really interesting. That sort of freedom that comes with, let's just go for it now. And I wonder if, I don't know the answer, but I wonder if some of that started to happen. They were like, okay. Let's just go for it. Right. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. And part of what was happening, I mean, like, we're kind of going through history as we do this podcast. Yeah. And it's interesting to see that this is a time where the show is going on hiatus and, and it's being mm-hmm. taken off the air for weeks. And it seems like there must be some, they must realize that they're, they could be in danger of the show going off the air. And, and maybe not having an ending. Like yeah. the show, yeah. who knows if that stuff would have been even aired because Coop right. Right, came along and pushed it so they would air that yeah. final episode, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. basically. Coop basically. came by and then they and then they came they came back and they were supposed to do six weeks and they came back for four weeks and then they were off the air yeah. again. Yeah. For another, yeah, basically. So, right. Yeah. That's another thing too I wanted to make sure that that got you know, into this book is that people watch Twin Peaks now far differently than they watched it when it was originally on the air. Yeah. And it really is almost impossible to recreate that experience that happened over those you know, uh, 18 months. And um, have you gotten, what episode are you on? So, oh, so 25. We're, we're on, so okay, 25 is, we, we just got past, uh, got to Owl Cave. So, yes. So uh, Owl Cave, Cave, they just discovered Owl, Owl Cave, and yep. that's where yep. we are. So yep. uh, okay. Josie's died. And, okay, good. Yeah. That's what I needed to know. So, yep. so that episode where Josie died mm-hmm. and Bob appeared, uh, that, that, um, you know, the show went on hiatus after that. Right. I remember yeah. as, a, as a diehard fan watching it on, you know, when it was broadcast for the first time, to have that final scene mm. of Joe's face and Bob appearing, and then to have it go off the air. Yeah. And to spin around thinking, well, That's what it. are we going to do? What if it doesn't come back? I mean, what right. does this all mean? This was very, very exciting material to see. And so I tried to talk a little bit about that. I, I comment on the fact that that was almost like the end of season one. 
where you mm. have this incredible cliffhanger where Cooper gets shot, and then you got to wait. Uh, we knew at least it was coming back at the end of season one. Right. When that hiatus came, we got that. You got that scene. Doorknob. And now, of course, when people yeah. people are watching it, uh, you know, people are watching it on on Netflix or or on on Blu-ray. Right. They just go right to the next episode. There's 13 <laughs> seconds True. between yeah. episodes as opposed to four weeks. So I, I wanted to you know remind people of kind of the nail-biting uh, experience of watching the show as it aired. Yeah, so. I, th- I think that's um, it, that's important because I like how when, you know, Ben came to me about doing a show, but Ben loves the history of it. You like the history of I it like and the, anniversaries. I like going into the weeds. I like going yeah, into the weeds yeah. and trying to find the... But I yeah. think that's really cool because that interests me a lot. Like, you know, because we, you know... We've all grown up with TV where it was just TV. You had to be home to watch it. Um, right. And nowadays, yeah. you don't have to be home to watch anything. And, yeah, you right. can watch things. I can watch a whole season of some show this weekend and be done with it. But I th- I think what makes the show special is those moments that nobody will know about unless people bring it up. Yeah. Like, like Lost, I guess the best way – I was a huge Lost fan, so was Ben and – I remember the writer mm-hmm. strike, and I remember the yeah. short season, yeah. and I remember how right. they had we had a wait, and then they split, and like that made that show more interesting than right. it was. It was like the suspense of waiting, and oh my god, I got to wait till January because of the writer strike, and yep. right. um, I, yeah, that's it, it that's helps interesting. You better, it helps it helps you better understand a little bit about what what was happening in the in the story itself. Yeah. Um, as the as there's pressure on the writers and as they're racing toward uh, what they're hoping is just a season two cliffhanger, uh, and as they're trying to choreograph and coordinate all the moving pieces, plus they've got the network pressure on them. When you watch it now, if you're someone brand new to Twin Peaks and you look at an episode and you think, "Why that episode in season two is really not that good?" I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why? Kind of, well, there's there is some reason behind that. Yeah, yeah. all these, these different stresses that were on them. And um, uh, so, you know, you, you hope that maybe with a little bit of background, you get a better understanding of why the show took the various turns it did. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that's what we br- our, this podcast brings to a lot of people, you know, uh, just kind of like the history of like, yeah, it went off the air at this point and this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does really, yeah. it gives you um, a background, definitely, um, about why the episodes turned out the way they did and why things happened. Right. And I, I think that's more, it's almost bigger than the show, is the history, is, is bigger than Twin Peaks, the show itself, is the history. Mm, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the book, I. it's also so fascinating that the interviews that you, you you and Craig got back in the day that are in this book. I mean, you have David Lynch uh, interviews with David that's Lynch, cool. Mark Frost, a lot of the actors and stuff. And that's, I'm all, it's really impressive because they don't do that many interviews. I mean, Mark Frost doesn't, de- definitely David Lynch doesn't do a lot of How did you get David Lynch? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, I will say, so that everyone knows, uh, you know, there's a lot of people we did not get, and they're not mm-hmm. in this book. And I would certainly point people toward Brad Duke's 
reflections. Oh, yeah. What a great book yeah. that is and how many incredible people he got. But we did have a lot of people, and I thought we had, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, there really is enough here to kind of um, sustain, basically, an ongoing commentary of the entire production from beginning all the way to Firewalk with Me. Mm. Um, and so with David Lynch, yeah, we, we were, you know, we were very, very lucky. Uh, we interviewed him twice. Uh, when Super the lucky. first time we, inter- we first time we interviewed him, he was releasing Eraserhead uh, under his own website, and he had he had overseen the the, the new remastering of that film, and he mm. wanted to promote that. And so we we talked to him, and I and what we were lucky is when we talked to him about able to ask him some general questions about his approach to making films, particularly about casting and how he has actors come in and read and, and meets with actors and get the feel for them. And so a lot of that stuff was good for this book because mm. um, fit in with the stories that the actors would tell about meeting with Lynch and how he, you know, he talked to them and got a feel for them. So that's that material from that interview we were I was able to put in here. And then when we actually were at coming up on the last issue of Rap and Plastic number seventy five we put out, uh, you know, uh, inquiries to everyone, and, and we we asked Mark Frost, who was always very cooperative and helpful, uh, to do sort of the last big Twin Peaks interview, and he agreed. And we asked Robert Engel, who we the interviewed before, and we asked Lynch uh, again if he would talk about Twin Peaks, and we were quite surprised that mm-hmm. he said yes. Nice. And so now we did not get a lot from him. Um, he he doesn't give you much, and uh, we were very careful not to to ask him anything that would make him uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. he did talk a little bit about Twin Peaks and about Firewalk with me, and um, I felt, you know, very lucky to have that, and I put that in here, too. Nice. And you have several uh, essays from Wrapped in Plastic that you've put in here. I mean, there's some really good essays uh, related to Firewalk with me that... uh, that I, I can't wait to talk to you about. I can't wait to read them when after I see the movie. <laughs> yeah, but, I guess we can't really talk about. I know. Them. Yeah. I want to talk about. I want to find a way around talking about. Can, can we? Can we get around Laura to say that there's a really great article that you did on Laura Palmer? Mm, yeah, I'm sure, I'm to find I can a talk way. about it. I can certainly talk about it in a general way that yeah. won't ruin anything for the film. Um, you know, it's a firewall community film to watch on lots for lots of different reasons. Um, as a big fan of, of David Foster Wallace, uh, he had written a, a long essay, which a lot of people know about. Uh, it was originally in Premiere magazine about David Lynch, and then mm. he expanded. The expanded version is in his his collection of essays. A supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. He actually talks about Laura Palmer a little bit in that essay, and it has a mind like David Foster Wallace talking about. Laura Palmer and Twin Peaks is just pretty, it's pretty amazing. I, I mm. read that over and over again. And he made an interesting comment about how Lynch was trying in Firewalk with Me to transform Laura Palmer from an object, which was that she was just a dead body, mm. sort of propelled the narrative into a subject in that, that she was a character now who had to drive her own story. Yeah. And, and the tricky, the tricky things he had to do to kind of accomplish that, and Wallace says he he may or may not have, have succeeded. And I remember thinking, well, he did he or not? I mean, are you mm. saying you don't know? And so I felt that David Lynch did accomplish that. And so the essay is basically an attempt to to you know, look at the film and see what choices Lynch made to kind of give Laura more life uh, yeah. and to give her more. Uh, more of an active role in her own story. 
So that's what that essay is about. Yeah, yeah they're cool. really good essays. I mean, they're really. I mean, if, if, oh, if, if not, I'm excited to read it. Yeah, if if not for like all the interviews of the of the actors and yeah. crew and the, this great episode guide and the deleted scenes, those essays are so good. I mean, yeah, they're so yeah. good. I know jo, jo, Joel Bacco, I think, loves that Laura Palmer essay, and and yeah, it's just so get get the book. If, if see, it's like the, you're selling me the book. <laughs> I it's am. like an infomercial right now. You guys are trying to sell me the book, and I I'm ready to buy it. I just got to finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Joel Bacco, and uh, I just want to say, you know, he did uh, like that essay about Laura Palmer, and I know he did some incredible video mm. essay that I've watched, and he um, he mentions that that essay was an influence on on his uh, uh, some of his interpretations of the film, and mm. uh, he was helpful. I sent him uh, some of the material in this book, and he was uh, very kind uh, enough to to give me some good feedback. So I just wanted to mention that. Awesome, oh, that's, that's cool. really cool. Yeah, and uh, talking about buying the book, is there, is there, is there, is there, you're working on getting a Kindle version available as well. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think that is something that's going to happen. I'm, I'm almost certain. Um, I had the the hard copy done. Obviously, I had the hard copy proof in my hands, and so I knew it was ready to go uh, for publication. There's a there's a section on on CreateSpace if anyone's ever used it, and you can't done with your book and you've published it and they say now turn it into a kindle book so i mm. i have to look at what i have to do and i try to to make it i hope uh, uh formatted in a way i was thinking of that uh, as i did it like, yeah. you know I, I want it to be an electronic book uh and so that people can have it you know and 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 then search it and and that is really the main reason why and i put it i sort of uh uh, pointing out the flaws in the book, but there is no index in this book. And I will say that I wish, in a way, there was an index because there's a lot of material in here. Um, but, I, you know, it's chronological and there's a good table of contents. Mm. Uh, but, but of course, you know, if you get a book now, um, a nonfiction book on Kindle, uh, they usually don't have an index. They even say, I remember the first time I downloaded a, a, a nonfiction book, I was looking for the index. Hmm. And something popped up and said, well, you don't need an index. You can just search for any term you want. Huh. There's no yeah. point in having that there. And then I thought, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Why put an index in? It's really redundant. Right. So, so uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to try to get this out in the Kindle version sometime. It will happen. I just don't know when. And at that point, then, um, if somebody wants to, you know, search out all the David Lynch quotes, I guess they could they could do that or find a, you know, reference <laughs> to something or other. You know, as, as soon as, as soon as you put out that Kindle version, I'm going to be buying that version as well. I there's something nice about <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> yes, I, Brad Dukes. I have I have Reflections book on a digital, and I have a, 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 yeah the physical book and stuff. Yep. There's something nice about like being anywhere and bringing it up on your phone or on your iPad or whatever device you have. Yeah. Or, yeah, just going to a computer and stuff. So I, I'm looking forward to the digital version as well. <laughs> uh, well, great, great. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll let you know when it happens. I, you know, there's obviously um, the new series is coming out, I hope, next year. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, obviously between now and then, I see what I It may be a matter of just days or, or very simple thing to do. I don't know. But then, you know, I want to make sure that, that that version is available, too, certainly before the series comes out, in case you know some new viewers are like, I've got to find out more about Twin Peaks. And Definitely. They can just push the button and get it. So. Can, can you tell us about how the, the uh, cover uh, image came about? Uh, 
Well, you know, uh, the cover, uh, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with the cover for, for some time. Um, initially, but my thought was I was just going to have a um, kind of some blue, uh, you know, folded up, crinkled up plastic, hmm. like what you see, you know, Laura Palmer in, but it would right. just be, it would just be a picture of that. And in fact, I took some pictures. I should say my daughter, who is a photographer, took some pictures. And some of those pictures of the plastic were really fascinating because you look at it and you start to see patterns that aren't there, but you, you sort of make them. <laughs> like, well, the way it's folded and the way that the light hits it. Yeah. And, and, but then she had this photo of this, um, this path. Mm. Uh, uh, and I thought it was very eerie looking. It was foggy. And I said to her, you know, when we take that and we put the, the chevron image of you know, the zigzag yep. uh, sort of at the, at the end point of it, then it kind of fits. And it, it, in some way, it was the picture itself that helped me kind of come up with this subtitle. I thought, well, why not? You know, that's a pathway into mm. some mystery. So we'll call it. I, and I just really liked the idea of that cover. So that that's why I, I, I like it. That. I think it's mysterious. Yeah. I, I think it's a great image. It's a great cover. It's yeah. really cool. So I yeah thanks and yeah. I, yeah I was just gonna say you know and then of course I didn't you know with Twin Peaks it's tricky because you know what what can you use and what can you use in terms mm. of what's copyright and and that um, I thought this this you know represented the mystery uh, of, of Twin Peaks and anyone who sees that zigzag is gonna know right away yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. a Twin Peaks related thing so. So maybe you can share with us, like, uh, what was it like putting this together? I mean, you kind of shared it already a little bit, but I love it. Was there new things you discovered about the show or about your own work? Or what was it like putting this together? Uh, yeah, um, I did. Uh, yeah, I guess the answer is, uh, well, for the multiple questions there, um, I, I, I must say almost everything in here has been revised to some extent. Hmm. Um, it, so it is it is different um, in some ways than uh, what's in the magazine. Uh, for example, the Laura Palmer essay that we were just talking about was um, was really too long in the magazine. I, you know, I, I when we were writing for the magazine, there was no... You could just write and write and write and, and print it and throw it out there. And we, you know, we had a deadline, so we would just you know get it out there. And uh, as I read that essay, I realized so there's a lot of redundant paragraphs to say the same thing over and over again. Hmm not to get in, into the minutiae. So I, I tried to tighten that up. I tried to tighten up some of the other essays. Um, so I did that. And then, of course, all the episode guide material, I, I tried to, to clean up the writing. I think there was some writing that was just really, really good. And then there was some writing that was pretty clunky. Hmm. And so I, I tried to, to polish it. I'm not saying it's, it's any better, but I, I did try to try to make it a little smoother. And then, you know, when you start putting it all together, like I said before, you start getting things together, you do start to see a couple of interesting things. And one of the things I noticed is about the second season, which it, it's fairly obvious and it's probably obvious to lots of fans that watching it, you know, uh, in, in big chunks, it may be more clear. I initially watched it over a period of like nine months. And, you know, right in the beginning of the second season, Cooper's laying there and he's saying, you know, we've got to keep fear from my mind. Everything's mm. easier if I to keep fear from my mind. And I started to see that, which, again, it may have been obvious to everyone else, but seeing this theme of fear mm. and love, yeah. fear and love open the doors. Right. And, and, and there's a lot of different, commentary about fear and about love throughout mm. the second season, yeah. which I kind of miss. There is. Um, in fact, there's commentary about fear and love in scenes that were, were scripted, but then 
deleted. So you right. could see that they were they were these were the, these were the two big themes that they wanted to to tackle. Um, I think you know I think it got pushed down a little bit as the series went along, but it was still there. Yeah, and so. Um, in fact, it was almost like, you know, there's an essay to be written right there, and um, I, I did not write it, but it may still be something to do, because that was a fascinating idea that they were toying around with mm. and playing with, and they they put the seed in on that second season premiere, and it carries all the way through to the end. Yeah. Um, so that was something, and then, of course, Lynch, probably his... And I won't ruin anything, but with his some of his changes mm. in the last episode, he kind of moves away from all that cinematic material that they had been inserting throughout the second season, which may be why people kind of forget about it. Hmm. But it was it really was an important important part, uh, a driving part of the second season, and it kind of came clearer to me as I was putting all these things together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's funny, like, when we've been doing this show since, you know, we kind of, re, you know, we're yeah. looking at the show. We, we came to the same conclusion, I think, in some ways. There was, like, the, the season premiere, and then there was Cooper and, and Major Briggs after the Laura Palmer case yeah. that they started talking about this. And it does continue. It is interesting to say, oh, they seem to forget about it for 10 episodes, and then it comes back. And it's fast. It is a really fascinating thing to relook at this and see that this these themes come up. Yeah, Coop, themes, Cooper yeah. and yeah. Annie. Are kind of like the yeah. fear and love. Huh? Yeah. I I, well, I Cooper, get out of that. Cooper, yeah. Cooper and Annie. They have a conversation, and Annie talks about That's fear, right. talks yeah. about love. Yeah. And and of course, Major Briggs has the great line. I don't know if you've got to it yet. But I won't really ruin anything. Where he says, you know, what you know, Wyndham Earl says, what is your greatest fear? And mm. and Earl uh, uh, Briggs says, the possibility that love is not enough. Yeah. And, and that, I love that to me is one of the more important lines in the entire second se- season because. They really are working this idea of fear and love. Mm. And you go back and they hit Cooper's past and how he loved Carol and Earl. Mm. And, and, and so you've got that there. And I think, and this again, this would be a great essay someday, maybe down the road. I think they really had an idea that there was going to be the love story between Cooper and Audrey, which yeah. of course they had to abandon. Right, and yeah. That would have been a way for them to hammer home the idea of love and fear, mm. and and make it a more prominent thing in the in the second in the more prominent theme in the second season. Yep. When that plot line had to go away, you, again you can see where you know here they are scrambling to try to, to try to get the show back on course, and they lose what probably you know in that in that planning session in the summer of ninety <laughs> where they're planning out the second season is like this is the fundamental aspect of the second season, fear <laughs> and love, and we're gonna emphasize love with this romantic story. Mm. It goes away and then they're just like, now what do we do? Yep. Yeah. So um yeah. It's true. I totally agree with you. I think that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. So I thought when we have a little more time with you uh, when we last spoke, it was at the tw- we were talking about the Twin Peaks Day. I think that was, that was right in February, yep. and we brought up the Great Southern uh, Twin Peaks <laughs> event, and we were saying, "Oh, you should come to that." <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, not only are you coming to the event, but you are on a panel for about uh, writers of Twin Peaks. How cool is How that? How cool is that? Yeah. It's like, can, do you want to share about like that experience? Sure. I mean, I'm yeah, very happy that that yeah. all came about. And you guys did tell me about it. And Brad Duke had mentioned it to me as mm-hmm. well. Yes. Uh, and I, I, you know, it certainly was, you know, kind of rolling around in, in my brain about, oh, there's this thing. And then um, 
uh, Andrew as the coordinator yep, Blossom. Of, yeah. of, this, of, this, of this great Southern, he, he sent me an email and invited me to come. And when he did that, I thought, wow, okay, you know what, this is an opportunity. I shouldn't pass up. I should go. I knew you guys were going to be there. I knew Scott Lyon was going to be yeah. there. Brad was going to be there. I thought, you know, here are all these, you know, important Twin Peaks fans going, and I, I should go. So, uh, and David Bushman, too. We should mention him. He's got that new book coming out. Right, and I, th- I think his co-author so, is Arthur Smith. They're both co-authoring that Twin Peaks yeah, okay. F- yeah, FAQ. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. But, and then Charlotte Stewart is going to be on that panel, that writer's panel as well with her memoir, yeah, is that yeah, everybody? Yeah. I think it's everybody. And Brad, we said Brad. But like that to me is like the dream team. Like what? Yeah. I mean, like can't, you can't beat that. Like uh, 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 the authors there, I mean, they all do great work. And, and to have you on that is, is awesome. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. And I, you know, happy to be able to go there and uh, just, you know, enjoy the Twin Peaks. Uh, vibe. Yeah. And so what else are your plans? I mean, wh- what's next? I mean, you're now, you know, uh, you got, got this book out and uh, what do you plan to do next? <laughs> book tour. Oh, wow. <laughs> book I, tour. Know, that's, I don't, I don't really know. I don't yeah. have any answer. I, um, I, obviously the new season is coming um, and I don't even quite know how to, <laughs> how I'm going to deal with that. Uh, I know various people have mentioned either the Meet Some Podcasts uh, sort of weekly reaction mm. to to it, which I uh, would love to participate uh, cool. in that. Um, I, I think it is important to kind of try to, to be current with that as it comes on every week, mm. maybe write something. Um, and I've mentioned this before. For me, obviously, the, uh, the first uh, reaction is going to be how well does it tie in to what exists? Yeah. It contrad- does it seem to be contradicting? Did they forget this? Did they forget that? Mm. Or they, boy, they're they're you know they're they're right on course. Uh, you know, not to nitpick and not to you know tear them down by any means. I'm just wondering, out of curiosity, you know, it's been quite a while, and uh, you know, how well is it going to connect with what we all know so well now, uh, the existing Twin story? So that would be a sort of a sort of a initial gut-feel reaction commentary. Um, I would love to write about the new series, but I, as I've said before, um, it, it is, I can't imagine writing anything of great substance um, very quickly. Mm. It would take a while. I mean, for Firewalk With Me, I wrote that, those couple of essays about Firewalk With Me, uh, and it was 10 years after the film something? came out. Wow. It took me a long time to kind of process it. So... I guess we'll see what happens. Right, right. Open. Yeah, I don't. Is there anything you want to bring up, uh, Brian, at all? Or? Um, I don't know. I mean, especially since you haven't looked at it. I haven't looked at the book, and you know, I'm so close to finishing up the season. I guess you know, before we go, I'm interested. Like you were saying about when season three hits next year, um, you watch a show. You know, I'm sure uh, Ben and myself will be talking about it amongst a lot of the people. But because this show is going to be directed by David Lynch every episode, yeah, I, this is going to be a different beast. Right. Because it is. Um, I think when he had his episodes that he directed, there was a lot to take in. And then you had the other episodes right. that were formula, and it felt, it felt like, oh, yeah, I know it's going to happen. Or, you know, <clears throat> this feels comfortable. I know there's not... Those happy mistakes aren't happening like David Lynch would have them happen. So it's going to be so interesting. And I think you're right. I think 
you know, we're going to have our initial reaction to each show. Yeah. But afterwards, it's going to, like, we're going to have to take it in as a whole mm. and look at it as a bigger I, picture. Absolutely. Taking it in as a whole, I think, is going to be critical. I yeah. think, you know, it may even be worthwhile if you watch it as it comes on. And I'm sure I'll watch it multiple times every, you know, every episode, every week. I watch it, you know, a couple of times. Mm. But then to, to go back and watch it in bigger chunks and try yeah. to kind of, uh, get it in a shorter period of time and, and see how the pieces fit together, see what, what resonates and what connects, you know, what echoes from one episode to another. Yeah. I think that'll be something important to do to, to really get it better. I'm, I'm sure as, as David Lynch is making this, he is seeing it as one, you know, one whole piece that's mm. just going to be broken up over weeks. And yeah, it it, it is, going, I think it's safe to say whatever it is, it's going to have an element of the unexpected in it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't mean that just simply like, oh, wow, there's a new character. Yeah. I mean, it's been 25 years. He's probably, uh, you know, changed a little bit as a filmmaker. Hmm. Um, what does that mean? How does that, how does he convey Twin Peaks to us now um, as someone who's 25 years, you know, true. past where he was? So that, that may be a factor, too. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. I still think it's crazy. I think he did six episodes of the 29 episodes of Twin Peaks. So to have done, I mean, like, and those are great yeah, episodes. But to go yeah. from that to doing, I'm doing all the episodes of season three is, is mind-bending. I mean, yeah. Stuff. Huge yeah. undertaking. Yeah. And um, so I'm very interested. And I like, so I like the initial reactions people will have. But I'm more interested is what we'll say, you know, as a whole. Like, afterwards, yeah. what is the whole thing you know, as w- beginning to end, how we feel. And, uh, well, they have some kind of love and fear theme. Will there be some kind of theme that guides it and say yeah. this is the message that we, we leave about Twin Peaks? It yeah. Definitely. And I think, like you said, a couple, sh- a couple you, you watch each episode a couple times because, you know, some things don't sink in right away or you mm. don't notice something. And I think we're going right. to all be excited to talk about it. But the cool thing is... We'll be so excited about it. We're gonna not see everything, and then we'll still yeah, have. Right. We'll, we'll be talking about these episodes years to come. Yeah, you know, like we do now. Oh yeah, you, you know. So, and I hope with, with, with yeah. now that you know Mark Frost and David Lynch are working together. I mean, they worked a lot together in the in the first <clears throat> season, and yeah. they kind of weren't. So to have that, I hope they have like these things right, these hidden like Easter eggs yeah. where you go in there, it's like, oh, I missed that, and I have to go back and watch it. And I hope there's some yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, John, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, and the, your book is The Essential Wrapped in Plastic Pathways to Twin Peaks. And I tell you, I've, I've got it. I've been wa- reading it, and it's an excellent book. <laughs> and I recommend everybody, when you're done listening to this podcast, go out to Amazon and, and buy it. Yeah, thanks very much. I appreciate that plug. And, uh, you know, it was a labor of love. So, um I, I hope people enjoy it. And we, and we really hope we're getting close to the end and we want to want you back for Firewalk with me because yes, I definitely. know you have a lot to say about that. So, sure, sure. Cool. Absolutely. A big thank you to John Thorne for being on today's show. And I want to say a big thank you to him for putting us in the acknowledgments. It was very kind and sweet of him, I thought. We're part of uh, Twin Peaks history now. We are. And you can be part of Twin Peaks history too by writing to us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. And in the future episode, we can mention your name Sounds and good. answer your questions. Awesome. I hope. I hope. I hope. We will. And you can also go on Twitter. You can send Ben a message or me a message on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And subscribe to us on iTunes. We're free. Give us that five-star rating. Give us a comment. Um, 
that's what we love to see the feedback from the fans, the community. Definitely. We love that. And, and uh, all our shows are on TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. Uh, you can check out all of our past shows. Yeah. So we'll see you guys uh, next week. John Thorne uh, interviewing uh, Mark Frost. The, the first season contains a strong narrative and a richly developed world that demands much more of the television viewer than the average show. Did you worry that these demands would drive some of the audience away? Well, yeah, I felt that we were telling a story that was very dense and textured and was going to need and require people to actually pay attention. It was almost as if I was trying to test what people's endurance was for the ability to, to hold story strands in their head. But, you know, once we started going down that direction, there was no real reason to stop sure. since we had the opportunity. and. Um, at least in that first season, the stories all kind of paid off. They were all pointed in the right direction. Right. I likened it to filming a novel page by page where you were showing the life of a town on a kind of grassroots level.